Welcome to the Unitarian Universalist Church of Kent, a spiritual home that welcomes all of goodwill. May you leave your daily burdens at the door, open your minds and hearts, and be fully present for this time of fellowship and spiritual re-energizing. I'm Reverend Christy Anderson, today's worship associate. Our worship leader today is our settled minister, Reverend Stephen Protzman. We are joined by Colleen Taylor, our director of religious education, Hal Walker, our music director, and the fabulous Peace Choir. We give gratitude for the gift of this day and for this time of fellowship. This past Friday was the winter solstice, the longest night of the year. It's hard to believe given the upcoming bleak days of January and February, but greater daylight is indeed returning. Winter solstice celebrations are ancient worldwide traditions marking the end of the harvest and slaughtering of the livestock and the approaching days of rest while awaiting the return of the sun. Why do we celebrate the ancient tradition of solstice today? This celebration seems to be part of our DNA as humans. Hope is sustained during the bleak winter months knowing that the wheel of the season always turns. Patricia Motley, author of In Nature's Honor, muses upon our contemporary rituals of this season that reflect our ongoing connection to the pulse of nature. She writes, apparently our ancestors believed that at winter solstice, the sun can be wooed out of hiding only with music and dancing, singing and poetry, and jeweled trees, bonfires and laughter. Perhaps we still believe it. Otherwise, why string our evergreen trees with lights and bedeck them with sun-shaped jewels? Why light bonfires in our hearths and set candles in our windows? Why shoot fireworks into the black sky, dance raucously and laugh aloud on New Year's Eve? Why gather in Times Square a crowd of strangers pressing for community, and count the seconds until the great illuminated ball makes its slow descent, bringing the bright promise of possibility, because it's the birthday of the sun. The winter solstice event is so important that it has been celebrated in diverse cultures all over the world for millennia. And so today, we recognize this universal urge to pay homage to the veil of darkness and the emergence of light. Come, let us worship together. We can complain about the early onset of darkness each day, or we can detach from it and regard this time of year as an endurance test that will make us more appreciative of the emergence of life in the spring. Instead, I invite you to immerse yourself in the season 
and to partake of the gifts offered by the darkness. Winter's believed to be a time of contemplation because the visual and auditory distractions recede as the quiet, the stillness of our surroundings, and the darkness envelop us. There are truths hiding in the secret chambers of our minds, not yet born of words. Our quieted minds can nudge their emergence. Indeed, winter calls on us to be attentive to the voice within. My favorite winter poem speaks to this sentiment. In his poem titled Winter, Daniel O'Connell writes, I cannot keep still in summer. There's too much noise and so many smells. He notes that even in the autumn, our sense of vision is awakened with bright colors and new vistas that become visible as leaves fall. But in bleak midwinter, O'Connell writes, even running water slows. Perhaps, he continues, the earth becomes quiet and dark so that we can better hear the spirit of life who is always whispering to us. And so I say, okay, spirit of life, I'm listening now. The call of darkness gently coaxes us to delve inward and listen. Let us honor this call by taking a few minutes of silence to linger within the chambers of our mind where new truths are germinating. We give gratitude for the darkness that comforts us with its warm cloak and sustains hope with its promise of transformation. As Unitarian Universalists, we light a flame within a chalice as a symbol of sanctuary and safety to unite us in our worship, as a sign of life's beauty and wonder, and to remind us of our ongoing search for the light of truth within us and among us. This morning, we also light our chalice to welcome the return of the light. I invite you now to rise in spirit and embody as you're able. I invite our light bearers, Joe and Beth Kemmerly, to bring forth the light. Would you join me now in the words for lighting the chalice in your order of service? Thank you. May the sparks of our joining kindle our resolve, brighten our spirits, reflect our love, and unshadow our days. Come we now enter the dawning. Long ago, the animal people had no fire. Day and night, they huddled in their houses in the dark. They ate their food uncooked. In the winter, they were so cold. Icicles hung from their fur. Oh, they were miserable. Then one day, wise old coyote gathered everyone together. He said, we have heard about fire, but the only fire is far upriver at the world's end. It's guarded by the Yellow Jacket sisters high on a snowy mountain. The sisters are wicked and will not share their fire. But I have a plan. If we all work together, we can steal the fire. The animal people talked amongst themselves, 
for they were afraid of the Yellow Jacket sisters. They listened carefully to Coyote and as they, he told them his plan. Then he went on his way. Coyote slowly walked up the mountain at the world's end. And when at last he came to Yellow Jacket's sister's house, he saw smoke coming up out of the chimney. Coyote looked inside the house. The three old sisters were sitting round the fire. Coyote, in his most friendly and soothing voice, says, Let me come in, and I'll make you all look so pretty. Of course, the sisters were suspicious. But they put their heads together and buzzed. Come on in, but no tricks. Coyote sat down. He took some oak bark and held it in the fire. When it burned to a black coal, he marked the sisters' yellow faces and bodies with black stripes to make them pretty. Now, said Coyote, if you close your eyes, I will make you even prettier. Here was Coyote's chance. While the sisters' eyes were closed, he grabbed a burning stick in his teeth, and quiet as the moon in the sky, he crept outside. Then he raced down the mountain like the wind. All of a sudden, the Yellow Jacket sisters realized that Coyote had tricked them, and they were buzzing mad. They too flew down the mountain like the wind, and soon they caught Coyote. They were almost on him when he tripped, rolled downhill like a snowball, and landed at Eagle's feet. Eagle snatched the burning stick in his talons, spread his wings, and off he flew. Eagle was very fast, but the Yellow Jacket soon caught up with him. Suddenly, Eagle dropped the coal. Mountain Lion caught it in his great, sharp teeth and ran off through the snow. The furious Yellow Jackets, of course, continued the chase. And just as they were about to sting the mountain lion, Fox snatched the fiery coal and bounced it along and up and into the tall cedar and pine. Fox ran and ran and ran until she was so tired. She got to take another step. And she huffed and she puffed and her breath made clouds and the Yellow Jackets were right behind her. Just in time, Bear took the fire and ran through some thorn bushes. Bear was fast, but soon the yellow jackets were right on top of her. She couldn't fight them off. And she finally fell down, exhausted. As Bear fell, Turtle sneaked in right under the yellow jacket's eyes, grabbed the fire, and plodded. But he was so slow that one of the Yellow Jacket sisters caught him and stung him in the tail. Aki! 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 The Yellow Jackets were all over Turtle when Frog leapt out of the river and swallowed the fire. Frog hopped back into the river and plop, he sat down right on the bottom. The Yellow Jacket circled and circled and circled, waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally, the Yellow Jacket sisters gave up and went home. When the Yellow Jackets were gone, Frog came out of the river and spit 
the burning stick into the roots of a tree growing along the river. The tree swallowed the fire, and the animal people didn't know what to do. Coyote returned, and the animal people said, Grandfather, show us how to get the fire from the tree. Coyote, who is very wise and knows these things, he <laughs> laughed and showed them how to rub two sticks together over dry moss to make a fire. From that time on, the people have known how to make fire from the wood in order to keep warm and cook their food. And at night in the season of cold, they sit in a circle around the fire and tell the old, old stories. And so, so it, it is, is even, even to this, to this day. day. Light is returning Even though this is the darkest hour No one can hold back the dawn Let's keep it burning Let's keep the light of hope returning even though this is the darkest hour The Promise of the Solstice by the Lady Farmer. The winter solstice here in the Northern Hemisphere is that point in the year when the ever-increasing darkness is in a single instant 
reversed, and the light begins its gradual return. We're scarcely able to notice this in our powered up, climate-controlled lives, but sometime in the next few weeks, we'll begin to experience the afternoon becoming longer, little by little. To most of us, it's largely a matter of convenience, our routines shifting gradually with the seasons without much thought. Imagine, though, what it must have been like for our ancestors, dating back before cars and electricity or insulated dwellings, before supermarkets, malls, holiday shopping, and Netflix. They were cold and hungry, and it was very, very dark, getting darker every day. What was there to do but build large fires and gather round with whatever food was available, seeking solace and survival in community? Sound familiar? It must have been hard to have faith that things would get better, but they watched and waited for that miracle moment when the darkness began its retreat ever so slightly. They knew what was coming, because they had been observing these things for a long, long time. They built sacred sites to commemorate it, places that affirmed the ebb and flow of life and light, that gave hope for survival. They believed in the deepest part of their beings, the promise of this dance between earth and the heavens, that the light would always return. We are not that different from our ancestors. Whatever holiday we might be celebrating this season, the metaphors of hope, faith, and renewal are there for all of us. As much as we try to separate ourselves into beliefs, traditions, politics, religions, or race, we all have this in common. We are humans inhabiting a miraculous, benevolent home we call Earth. Here's to remembering the promise of the solstice and our human connection to this beloved planet as we all begin another turn around the sun. So last Friday was the solstice, the winter solstice when the sun reached its lowest height and we had the fewest hours of daylight. For a few days this time of year, the sun seems to stand still, which is where we get the word solstice from the Latin words sol for the sun and sister to stand still. It's a powerful time in the cycle of the year. Our earliest ancestors marked the solstice night by telling stories as we've done, singing as we've done, lighting fires and inviting the sun to return. They didn't know of the yearly cycle of seasons and that it happens because the earth rotates around the sun and tilts on its rotational axis. Instead, they believed in a supernatural force was at work. There was a god or a goddess of the sun who had gone into hiding and needed to be coaxed back out. As we heard in the call to worship, our ancestors believed the way to bring the sun out of hiding was with music and dancing, singing and poetry, lots of lights, bonfires and laughter, all things we still do. Why else do we string trees with colored lights 
put candles on our windows, have bonfires, and gather in Times Square on New Year's Eve to watch that illuminated ball with its bright promise of new possibilities as it descends. This time of year is very important in the world's religions. There's an astronomer named Vondel Chamberlain who writes, slowly at first, then more rapidly as we go into January and February, the days get longer and everything around us helps us celebrate the increase of the light. He says, it speaks well for the human spirit that our greatest religious celebrations take place at winter solstice as people strive to radiate the warmth of fellowship and love on these cold, dark days. These celebrations are many, including the stories of the sacred fire of the Yule log, the star in the sky telling the birth of Jesus, the miracle of Hanukkah's lamps burning for eight days, the Hindu light festival Jabali, the seven days of Kwanzaa. The celebrations are diverse, but they have one thing in common. They are festivals of light (coughs) and remind us that we are here to give the gift of light and hope to one another. Gifts that at times we each need. 17 years ago, a weary traveler entered the doors of First Universalist Church in Minneapolis on the night of the solstice. He'd heard about the solstice service and came to be with others who were seeking light and hope in their lives. He was a man who was very tired and sad in heart and spirit. A long-term relationship had just ended, and he realized he didn't know himself very well anymore. He walked into those doors and was welcomed and blessed as he entered. He participated in the evening's rituals with hundreds of other people, including a period of darkness and quiet in which he was invited to reflect on his life, the losses, the sadness, the hopelessness and uncertainty he felt. That weary traveler was me. This morning, perhaps that weary traveler who has come to this community seeking hope and light and the promise of a new beginning is you. Maybe there are shadows in your life, grief or loss, the end of a relationship, anger, depression, or illness that you're facing. It could be the pressure of this time of year and its demands on us. It might be feelings of despair or hopelessness in a world that's torn by greed, by violence, by intolerance and hatred, by privilege and need, by suffering and injustice. Maybe it's addiction, a dysfunctional relationship, human brokenness itself, or the consequences of poor choices that have been made at times. This is the reality of our human lives. But the winter solstice is a promise that suffering and loss do not have the final word, that at the end of the longest night, the light returns. On that solstice night 17 years ago, as the light was rekindled and shared, the candle burning in my hand gave me strength and hope to go on and begin a new chapter of my life, a chapter that led me into the ministry and gave me whole new purpose and direction. This morning, I want to invite you to receive a promise and a gift from the solstice. The promise is that no matter how hard your life may seem, there is light within you, within others, and all around us to guide us through hard times, and you will find your way. The gift 
is an invitation to remember this truth and to look around to see the light reflected in each other's faces. There's a writer who says, we need to see that light in ourselves and in each other. We need to feel that hope remains in the world. We need to receive that gift of hope from each other as we face losses and sorrows in our lives. This is the reason for all the celebrations of light this time of year and the reason we are together as a community, to be a source of light for one another, to be present to each other in times of joy and sorrow, to reach out with an open hand and an open heart, to listen, to share what we have, to offer support and care when loss, illness, or struggle happen, to laugh together and to point with wonder and awe at the world around us and say, look at all the beauty. So we light a light at this time of year, the darkest time of the year. Donna Hennis says, it's such a small symbolic gesture, so elegantly simple and yet so significant. Each spark a signal flare of faith. One by one in tiny increments, candle by candle, gesture by effort, wish and prayer, concern and care, we feed the life fires of the soul and light the infinite universe, little by little, from within. So elegantly simple, and yet so incredibly significant. Together, Lighting the infinite universe little by little from within. Lighting the way for one another. Feeding our life fires and offering a tiny flame of light and hope in our world. As we celebrate solstice, Christmas, and all the blessed festivals of light, let us give one another and the world the gifts of our light and our hope. May it be so, and together, may we share our light to make it so. Let's take a couple of moments of reflection. Let me come in and share your light, for I'm without a friend tonight. Let me come in and share your light in a warm place
I offer you these words by Kathleen McTeague. May the light around us guide our footsteps and hold us fast to the best and most righteous that we seek. May the darkness around us nurture our dreams and give us rest so that we may give ourselves to the work of our world. Let us seek to remember the wholeness of our lives, the weaving of light and shadow in this great and astonishing dance in which we move. And now, thankful for both the darkness that nurtures our dreams and the light that guides us forward in faith and in hope, let us go forth in peace and in joy to continue inspiring love, seeking justice, and growing in community. May it be so. Blessed be and amen.